0: Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Well, this week, fortunately, I got off easy in my own study because I didn't have to search and hunt and pray about the big idea of the passage we're going to look at because Luke already gives it to us in verse 1 of Luke 18. Luke said, now Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to
1: lose heart. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. As children of God, we have unrestricted 24-hour access to our Heavenly Father through prayer. Yet sometimes we fail to recognize the significance of this great privilege. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress returns to the parable of the persistent widow, for a practical lesson on how to have a successful prayer life. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. If you sense a
0: little urgency in my voice today, it's because we're facing an exciting opportunity at Pathway to Victory. And I couldn't be more pleased about what's happening behind the scenes here and what God plans to do with this ministry in the coming year. As you know, this coming Monday, July 4th, represents a national holiday, but it's also a significant deadline for us at Pathway to Victory. During this next week, we're racing against the clock to meet our $500,000 matching challenge. What is God prompting you to give in the next few days? Well, whatever amount you choose to give before midnight... Monday, July fourth, it will be automatically matched and doubled because of this wonderful matching challenge. And today, your generous gift of say seventy-five dollars will be matched until it becomes one hundred and fifty dollars. A generous gift of five hundred dollars becomes a thousand dollars. Some are capable of stretching much further. And in any case, your generous gift, whatever it is, will have twice the impact. In addition to this opportunity to leverage your giving there's an added benefit. When we receive your gift, I'm going to say thank you by sending you one of the most creative books we've ever published. I'm referring to the new illustrated children's book called Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids. This resource belongs in every household, including yours, and I'll share more details about my new book later on. But let's begin today's study with a personal question. Do you ever get a little tired with your prayer life? I mean, do you sometimes grow weary of bringing your heavy issues to God? Well, you're not alone. And in one of his many parables, Jesus taught us what to do when we're feeling that way. I titled today's message, Persistent Praying. Persistence. The ability to continue in spite of the obstacles that you face. Persistence is the key to success in your prayer life. And that's the truth of the parable we're going to look at. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18, as we discover the value of persistence in praying. Luke chapter 18. Luke said, Now Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times, they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Here's the big idea, Luke said. Jesus told a story to illustrate how we ought to pray in every circumstance. Not just in the easy circumstances, not when the answer seems obvious or possible. We ought to pray at all times and not lose heart. And to illustrate why we should pray at all times, he tells this story beginning in verse 2. Look at the two characters that are in this parable. Verse 2. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God, and he did not respect man. The first character in this story is an unrighteous judge. This story takes place against the backdrop of the judicial system in Jesus' day. And to emphasize what kind of judge this man was, notice the repetition of this description. He did not fear God, and he did not respect man. That was this judge. And notice the second character in the story, in verse 3, and there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him. And now the widow in Jesus' day was the most defenseless member of society. She was all alone in the world. And so you had this widow, verse 3, who kept coming to the judge saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Now, the Mosaic law prohibited taking advantage of widows. But remember, this judge had no respect for God's law. He didn't fear God, nor did he respect man. Verse 4 says, And for a while, the judge was unwilling to listen to the widow. But afterward, look at verse 4, He said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming, she wear me out. Here's this judge, he doesn't care one thing about this widow, but she keeps coming and coming and coming, and finally he says, I give up. I'm going to give her what she wants so that she will leave me alone. Now, had Jesus stopped the story here, we would be tempted to say, okay, Jesus is saying, if we will just keep nagging God long enough, prayer means twisting God's arm to give us something He really doesn't want to give us. If you don't hear another word I say, hear this. This parable is not a parable of comparison. It's a parable of contrasts. That's where the power is. Jot down three distinct contrasts that Jesus makes in this passage. First of all, there is the contrast between God and the unrighteous judge. God and the unrighteous judge. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect. (laughs) This judge was uh, uncompassionate. Is that what God, our heavenly father is like? No, Jesus is saying if an unrighteous and uncompassionate judge can be motivated to do the right thing how much more will your loving heavenly father be motivated to do what is right for you? That's what Jesus is showing. Not the comparison, but the contrast between the two. Hold your place here and turn over to Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says something similar. Matthew 7, verses 9 to 11, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 9. Jesus said, Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf will give him a stone. Or if his son asks him for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask Him? If even we have the desire to give good gifts to our children... How much more does our perfect heavenly father desire to give good gifts to those of us who belong to him? That's what Jesus is saying back in Luke 18. Turn back there. Notice the second contrast. And that is between the widow and God's elect. The widow and God's elect. Again, verse 7. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Now think about it, this widow had absolutely no relationship to the judge. She didn't know him. She had no standing before him. She had no money with which to bribe him. She was a complete stranger. And yet, he was motivated to act in her interest. Now, if that's true in that situation, how much more will God do for those of us who are his elect? That's what he's talking about here. The contrast between the widow who had no standing before the unholy judge and those of us who are members of God's family speaking to our heavenly father. And then notice the third contrast. And that is between the judge's timing and God's timing. He says in verse 7, And will God delay long over them? I tell you, he will bring about justice for them speedily. You see, the judge delayed in answering the widow's request. But Jesus is saying, your heavenly Father will not delay. He will answer your request speedily, quickly. Now, honestly, we read that and we say, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. Because this really doesn't match our experience, does it? And the fact is, we pray about things for weeks, months, even years. And many times there's no answer. Or when the answer comes, it's after a long time has elapsed. So how do we reconcile what is our experience to what the Word of God says here, the promise that God will answer our request speedily? As I wrestled with that this week, I think there are two answers to the question. What does he mean when he says he will answer our request speedily? First of all, I think the answer is found in the kind of prayer Jesus is talking about. The kind of prayer that he will answer speedily. Go back to verse 7. Shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? The kind of prayer that Jesus is promising to answer speedily are not those little, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep prayers. It's not prayer the prayers like, Lord, give me this new car or grant me that promotion. No, these are deep, heartfelt prayers. Those who cry to God day and night, He will bring about justice for them. I want to suggest to you that the kind of prayer Jesus is talking about is the prayer that will be uttered by those living in the great tribulation. Lord, how long will you delay your coming? Lord, this world is falling apart. Christians are being persecuted. People are dying. Relationships are breaking up. Lord, when are you going to come back? That's the context. But by the way, isn't that the prayer of Christians in every age? We are living in a world that is characterized by sin and every day we suffer the effects of sin in our life. Whether it be through physical illness in our own bodies or those of the ones we love. Whether it be broken relationships. Whether it means standing over the body of a loved one who has gone home to be with the Lord. We are suffering the pain of living in a world where sin seems to have the final say. Our prayer is, Lord, come quickly. Lord, when will you put an end to all of this? This week I was talking to a man in his 80s. He was relating the experience he had with his daughter a few years ago. She was 50 years old and she was diagnosed with multiple brain tumors. He talked about the last days of her life. He would go to her home, hospice had taken over and As she lay in the bed, he would read to her the 23rd Psalm to try to bring comfort to his daughter. And as he read, tears would stream down her face and she would sob as she listened to those words of comfort. Just imagine what it would be like a dad trying to comfort his daughter who was about to go home to be with the Lord. And he said, I'll never forget the day I received the phone call that my daughter had died. I went to her home I walked into her room, and there was her lifeless body in that bed. He told me the story this week. He could barely get the words out. He started to cry again. Even though it had happened years ago, the hurt, the pain, was just as fresh as if it had happened yesterday. It's that kind of suffering, that kind of crying out that Jesus is talking about here. Lord, when are you going to do something? How long do I have to continue to experience things like this? I believe the kind of prayer he's talking about here is ultimately a prayer for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Lord, how long will you delay your coming? Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what Jesus is promising is when we cry out that kind of prayer, he says, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming speedily. You may think I've delayed my coming. That's only because you have a different calendar than I do. Remember Peter's words in 2 Peter 3 verses 8 and 9? Peter said, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. But He is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. As He said in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. That word quickly means with rapidity. It means when these events come to pass that bring about his coming, it will be like a domino uh, falling over and hitting another domino and another domino. When these things begin to occur, they will happen very quickly and he will return. Verse 8, Jesus finishes with this challenge. He says, however, when the Son of Man does come... Will he find faith on the earth? Gary Enrig in his treatment of this parable says, God is not like the judge, but the question is, are we like the widow? We can count on God to answer, but can God count on us to keep on asking, to keep on praying, even in the most difficult circumstances? You know, we read a story like this, a passage about prayer, and we can't help but ask the question, Lord, why is it you don't answer my every request? Why is it that you sometimes don't answer as quickly as I would like you to answer? As I search through the scriptures, I find several answers to that question. Sometimes it's just a matter of timing. God has a different timetable than we do. When we think God has forgotten us, Or he has said no. The truth is, he is working out the situation to bring about his answer. He's working in our life, he may be working in somebody else's life to bring about that answer. Sometimes God doesn't answer our requests because, quite frankly, he knows it's not best for us. I remember when our oldest daughter, Julia, was four, she was fascinated by the gun that I had. And she would repeatedly say, Dad, can I play with the gun? Please let me play with the gun. And of course, as her father, I, I, I wouldn't let her play with a the gun. There were days I felt like letting her play with a gun, uh, but I didn't do it because I loved her. I wanted the very best for her. And it's the same way with God and us. Many times He says no because He knows what is best for our situation. Sometimes God makes us wait simply to develop our relationship with Him. You know, if God gave us everything we wanted the moment we wanted it, uh, that would mean God was no more than a divine vending machine. And prayer would be the coinage we use to get what we wanted immediately. That's not God. God is a spirit, a person who wants fellowship with us. And it's many times in the waiting, the continuing to talk to God, that we learn the most about God, His character, and what He desires for us. Steve Ferrars said that he wishes he had a nickel for every time his children, when they were small, would come to him asking for something. Dad, can I have this or that? And he would say, well, not now, or let's wait and see, or I don't think that would be best for you. But even though he didn't immediately and always answer their request, that didn't stop them from continuing to come with him with other requests. Why? Because his children trusted in their dad's authority and wisdom. They really did believe he loved them and knew what was best for them. And that kept them coming and asking. God wants the same for us. Even when God says no or wait, he still says keep on coming. Keep on asking. I want you to pray at all times. Not just when the answer seems obvious, not when it seems easy. I want you to pray in every situation and not become discouraged. When the car breaks down on the middle of the Dallas North Tollway, pray. When the notice of the layoff comes, pray. When the doctor's report comes not as you expected, pray. When that son or daughter keeps on in their rebellion against you and God, pray. And know that as you continue to pray, you have a loving Heavenly Father who will answer your request according to His perfect plan for your life. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. The only people who had the assurance of God's ear are those who are rightly related to him by faith. God promises to listen to and answer the prayers of those who are his children. And that's why it's so important today that you know for sure you're a member of God's forever family. How do you become a child of God? John 1.12 says, But as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. We must tell God we're sorry for our sins. We must place our faith and trust in Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And when we do that, the moment we do that, God not only erases our sin, he places us in his family. And from that point on, we can go to God boldly, talking to him about every problem in our life, knowing we have someone who loves us and wants the best for us. Are you in God's family? Maybe you've made that decision privately, but you're ready to make it publicly this morning, and then to be baptized as a sign of your faith in Christ. There are some of you right now who are struggling with a difficult situation in your life. Maybe you're tempted to give up. Listen to what Jesus says. Keep on praying, keep on asking. Maybe today you would like to just come in rededication of life. Pastor, I've been tempted to give up, but I'm going to keep on talking to my Heavenly Father. And I want you to pray with me about this situation in my life. We all go through problems in life, but God never meant for us to go through those problems alone. That's one reason He designed a local church. So that you can be surrounded by Christians who will join in praying with you, who will encourage you through those tough times. You may be a single adult, a couple, an entire family. We don't care what your background is. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're welcome here. Maybe God's leading you to make a special decision for him. Father, we thank you that you're not some distant deity who cannot be moved by our problems. But we have a high priest, the Lord Jesus, who sympathizes with all of our weaknesses before whom we can come boldly asking for help in our time of need. Father, I believe you're moving in the hearts of some today who need to come and trust in Christ for the first time. Others who are ready to recommit their relationship to you. I pray no one would resist the invitation of your Holy Spirit. For it's in the saving name of Christ we pray. Amen. Aren't you glad we serve a God who patiently listens to the persistent prayers of His children? In fact, He loves to hear your voice, and He's ready to share your burden and meet your needs. As our program comes to a close today, I'll remind you that I've written a brand new children's book so that you can teach these values to your children and grandchildren. It's called Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids, and we're pleased to send a copy to your home when your request includes a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. And bear in mind that Monday is the deadline for our $500,000 matching challenge. When you give a generous gift, you'll not only receive my new children's book, Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids, but your gift will be doubled through this matching challenge. Until July 4th at midnight, your generous gift of, say, $100 becomes $200, a $500 gift becomes $1,000, and so forth. And here's the best part. Your investment will go toward expanding our influence for the gospel across America and around the world. The country we love is faltering right now with alarming tension in our cities, with critical moral issues taking center stage not to mention the rising cost of living that impacts us all. I can't think of a better time to advance the gospel message than right now. Please join me in giving a generous gift to the Gospel Advance Matching Challenge. David will give our contact information, and I want you to call us or write a letter or go online to ptv.org to take advantage of this remarkable opportunity to double the impact of your gift
1: david thanks dr jeffress when you give a generous year-end donation toward our gospel advance matching challenge we'll say thanks by sending you jesus favorite stories for kids the brand new illustrated children's book by dr robert jeffress to request your copy call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org and when your gift is 75 dollars or more We'll send you the complete unedited CD and DVD sets for our current series called The Parables, Jesus' Favorite Stories. Just perfect for your small group Bible study or Sunday school class. And don't forget, our Gospel Advance Matching Challenge is in effect until July 4th at midnight, which means there is still time for you to double the impact of your giving. So be sure to contact us today. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. You can also send your donation by mail right to P.O. Box 223 609, Dallas, Texas 75222. That's P.O. Box 223 609, Dallas, Texas 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time for a fresh look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Hear a message called A Stranger in Need Meets a Neighbor Indeed. Wednesday on Pathway to Victory.